Good morning, y'all. Hope everybody had a good week, and um, yeah, so <laughs> we, uh, I was at a soccer field all day yesterday on freshly mowed grass with already having some allergy issues, so if I get a little scratchy, I apologize, but I'm glad you guys are here with us. To all those who listen to us online, we are so glad you're joining us. Um, it still amazes me that we have, like last year, we had 1,600 and something people listening from around the world. With You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, like that's new people signing in listening to us from around the world, from Kazakhstan to China to places in Africa to Oregon. To, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And I'm like, how in the world did you hear about Little O Shift Church? And, um, but we're so thankful that you guys are listening and um, as always, we're praying for those of you who are listening to us in dangerous places like in China and some of these other places that are going through some heavy persecution right now. So, hey, listen, stay strong. Victory's in the end, and we're excited that you guys listen to us. And um, yeah, so we're going to start a new series today. And I don't know how many of you guys um, are, let me, let me pose it with this question first. Let me ask this question. Okay, and I want, this is, I want you to think about this in your mind. Outside of Jesus, who is the greatest person you ever known? Did you have to think about it in your head, bro? Who's the greatest person you've ever known? And here's the question. What makes that person great in your eyes? What makes that person great? Because if, if we were to ask what makes greatness, there'd be like 27 different opinions in this room, right? of what defines a person to be great. And as I was thinking about doing this series in Hebrews, um, and the idea of it, this word that's been used lately has come to mind, that's been used on about people who are great in their own standards, and this is the idea of goat. There's the goat, which for all of us old folk, that means greatest of all time, Okay greatest of all time. And there's this huge argument out there on who is the greatest of all time. Like some people say it's, it's one of these two guys right here, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. See? See, some would argue Brady, but us here in Tennessee, we know who really is the greatest of all time, right? He looks good in orange, all right? And then some people say, well, maybe the greatest of all time might be Muhammad Ali or, um, or uh, Mike Tyson. That's, that's a good argument. Both of them said at one point in their life, I'm the greatest of all time. I'm the GOAT. And then if you're like me and you're a wrestling fan, you have these two guys, Bret Hart and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Now, those two, in their own stand, by their own merit, are... Two of wrestling's greats, right? Bret Hart, right here on the left, he just got inducted into the WWE Wrestling Hall of Fame. I still watch wrestling, okay? I say it's because Zane, but I really enjoy watching, watching it myself, to be honest. Um, like when Rey Mysterio came back a couple months ago, I was like, what? <laughs> this is amazing. Inner child came back. You can switch it back over now. It's needless to say that all these people in, the, in these pictures, they are in their current field the greatest of all time. They're goats. They perform well. Peyton Manning's better. 
But I thought, what if we looked at the book of Hebrews and see what the book of Hebrews, one, says about greatness, but two, says who is the real go. And, the book, and you have to understand about the book of Hebrews, it was, it, it was written to a Messianic Jewish audience. And you're like, Derek, that's a big word. And all that really means is this, is that these were former Jews who decided to follow Jesus. Okay? There were Jews who decided to follow Jesus, and, and, and the writer of Hebrews is trying to express to these followers of, of Jesus the supremacy or the greatness of Christ in, what he, in his ministry. Because here's what's happening to, the, to these people. They're being persecuted by their family members, by their community, by all these people, because they've left what they've always known to something that, they, that we know is greater, but they're being persecuted. And a lot of they're being persecuted so bad that they thought, well, maybe this isn't as good as we thought it was, and we need to turn back and go to back to Judaism. And what the writer of Hebrews is trying to express is no, is that there's enough in Christ. Like he is the greatest of all time. Like like he is his supremacy is above all that we can think. It's he, what we'll see over the next couple of weeks is he's above the angels. He's above the prophets. He's above all, all, all things that we've known. Like he is what all those people, those greats are our hall of fame of people. That they're the ones who he, who, who they talked about. Like he is legit. Like he is the bomb. Like he is the great, he is the goat. And he's trying to express to them like you can, you can stand firm in the, the ministry of Jesus and who Jesus was. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is look at why, why Jesus is the goat, why he is the greatest of all time. Now, just to give a little heads up, um, there'll be times where we go verse by verse, and there'll be times where we just pick a, verse, a couple verses out of a chapter. So here's my challenge to you guys over the next few weeks, is that you read the book of Hebrews yourself. You read the book of Hebrews yourself. Like I said, there'll be some weeks that, you know, like today we'll, we'll kind of mainly go verse by verse, but then next week we may not. So you, you just read the book of Hebrews and experience for yourself the, one of those aha moments of realizing how great Jesus really is. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to them to Hebrews chapter 1, or you can follow along with a letter from our friend. And starting in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many, many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And I want, there's something that we need to point out there. Okay, I'm going to give me a drink of water real quick. There, there's something we, we need to point out there. And it's this, okay, is that with, with just that verse, we have to understand that God is not an idea to be thought about. God, God is wanting to communicate. Because if he was a God, that could, if he was just something to be thought about, there would need, not need to be any communication. You know what I'm saying? Like he, He's not just an idea to be thought about. But he wants to communicate. Like He is a person to be known, loved, a person to be listened to, obeyed. He, he's not just some abstract reality out here to be thought on. He is actively speaking to us. And he's been actively speaking to us from the beginning of time. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, that God is speaking to us. That God is speaking to us. 
He's, he's like, you know, you know, hey, he's like, hey, listen, hey, let's go this way. Hey, let's watch this. Hey, let's, let's go here. Like, he wants to speak with you. He's wanted to speak with our brothers and sisters of the Old Testament. And he did it through prophets and, and, and priests and in many different ways. But you need to know that he is speaking to you. <coughs> but now... In these days, there's a way that he speaks to us. And it's this, in verse 2 of this letter, it says, And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his, what? Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. He created the universe. And there's this, that little phrase right there, and these final days, if you looked at that in the Greek, it means a couple things. It means a couple things. And this is, and, but this is what you need to understand first if you're taking notes. Is that what is the message? I think that's sometimes the wrong question to ask. Because I think it's more, according to what we find out in Hebrews, is that it's about who is the message. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Jesus is the communication or message of the gospel. Jesus is the communication or the message of the gospel. Like, from Genesis to Revelation, it's about one person. It's about one person, and that person is the greatest of all time. It's about Jesus. From the very beginning of Genesis, when, 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 when Adam and Eve sin and bring sin into the world, what did God say? There will be a son who comes who crushes your head, Satan. So from the very beginning, it's been about our, not only our relationship with God, which is an astounding message, but the real message is, is about the person who will get us there who will speak life into us, who will speak life into us. But here's the thing that we, the big thing that we got, that we got to see <coughs> is that in the, when it says the final days in that verse, this is what it means is, is that Jesus is God's final word of revelation. Jesus is God's final word of revelation the final word and what that means is which we'll talk about here in a minute is there will be none after him there will be no one coming after him to connect us with God like he is the final revelation he is everything we need to know to know about God and to know how to get back to God and here's, and here's why in Hebrews 1, in verse 3, he says, The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by his mighty power of his command. Which, that's a big deal. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand uh, of the majestic God in heaven. And here's, if you're taking notes, 
Why is he the greatest of all time? And it's this. He is the exact imprint of God. He is the exact imprint of God. Or you can say it this way. He is God. He is God. He's Emmanuel. God, uh, you remember when Jesus was born, what shall we name him? Name him Emmanuel, God with us. And that doesn't, just doesn't mean physically in the world with us. But he's going to be Emmanuel, God who, who suffers along with us. He's went through every temptation that mean you could ever face. He's went through all, this stuff, all the same trials and tribulations that we've went through, even death. It became victory. That's why we can live in victory. Because we had a God that not only physically came to us, but he was a God with us. With our on earth, with our suffering. <coughs> he joined us on earth to give us a way back to the way he, he originally created things to work. It's why I love Paul's letter to the Roman church in 510 when he says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his, what? Son. Like, he's our way back because he is is the greatest of all time. If you're taking notes, you you can write it this way. Jesus is the true goat because only he can reconcile us to the Father. See, all those people want to have gone before him that, that, that these followers in Hebrews were, in, the, in this letter was written to, the reason, like, all those people that they, that they were following, like Moses and all them, that pointed to Jesus, like, they could not get people back to God. They couldn't. That's why later in Hebrews we're going to find out that he says that those, those writings and the, from the prophets and those, and those sacrifices you tried to make were just to show you that you can't meet up to the standards of God, but that there would be one to come who would. And through him you receive life. He's the only one. That's why, that's why Luke would write in Acts, there is salvation and no one else. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Because he's the only way, the only way we're going to get reconciled back to God or called back to God. To get it back to the way it was originally created. We're going to read the rest of the chapter right here. Hebrews 1, starting in verse 4. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. For God never said to an angel what he said to Jesus, You are my son, today I have become your father. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. And when he, when he brought his supreme son into the world, God said, Let all of God's angels worship him. Regarding the angels, he, he says he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. But the Son, he says, your throne, O God. Wait a minute. Here's God the Father speaking to the Son, and he calls him what? God. <laughs> o God, endures forever and ever. Your rule, you, you, you rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore... 
O God. Your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on your on, on you more than on anyone else. He also says to the Son, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. I'm going to pause right here for a second. This just said that Jesus was part of creation. Why? Because he is God. They will perish, but you remain. Verse 11. But you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like, an, like old clothing. But you are always the same. You will live forever. And God never said to, to any of the angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Therefore, angel, angels are, not ser- are, are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Like, what does this mean for us? This is why it's hard for me. And this is where I'm going to kind of, we're just going to stay on this for a second. It's not the point of, of this message, but I think it needs to be addressed. Is This is why I struggle with some other faiths that claim to be followers of Jesus. Like, one specifically is Jehovah Witness. <laughs> who claim that Jesus was just Michael the Archangel incarnate. And here's, I did, I did a little research because I was like, I don't want to be wrong about this. Um, this passage in the, in the New World Order translation, which is a translation they received from the, from, from the Watchtower, like this translation reads exactly like this. And how they get that he was just an angel, I don't get because this clearly defines that he was more than an angel. And on top of that, you have Daniel, uh, Daniel who wrote, who wrote in chapter 15, he, he says, like, because they believe that Michael was the only archangel, right? That he was the only archangel, which I debated this with them a lot when they come to my door. Not really debate, but had a conversation with them. But they've, they've, they, they, they said, no, you don't get it. He's the only archangel. I'm like, well, in your Bible, in Daniel chapter 15, it says, Michael, one of the archangels. So even your theology isn't really based on the scripture that you have. But this defines that Jesus, one, from the beginning, laid the foundations of the earth because he was God. Okay? He's the only way that we can receive salvation because he is God. That's why he is far above the angels. Because he created them. He created them. But enough on that. So what does this mean for us? Since Jesus is the exact imprint of God, or is God, and is the final word of revelation, here's number one if you're taking notes, we can trust what he has spoken. We can trust what he has spoken because he has been faithful from the beginning. He has said and done everything he said he would do except for what we have coming in the future when he returns. Everything up to this point, he's been faithful about, so we can trust what he has spoken. Even, even Jesus himself said, don't let your hearts be troubled, and John. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me, because I am the fulfillment of the promise that we made to you. You needed a way out, and you couldn't get out, but you needed a way out, so I became the can in your camp. 
I became the way out. So if you want to trust God's word that he's going to get you out, you've got to trust me. The words of Jesus, the things that he's spoken over your life. And you, if you read the New Testaments and the gospel, the things that, that Jesus spoke over your life are, are, are amazing. Like he spoke words over us of healing, of redeeming, restoring. It's, but, but it's all predicated on your trust. That's like when, um, when, he, when he was at the tomb of Lazarus and Martha was questioning Jesus. Like only if you would have come, only if you would have come a couple days ago, this wouldn't have happened. And he goes, in this, he goes in this spiel of, hey, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone dead can come alive today. You know, that's Derek's paraphrase, okay? <laughs> like, and he asked this question, Martha, do you believe or do you trust my words? And Martha in that moment had a decision to make. Do I trust Jesus at his word that Lazarus is going to live again? Or I'm going to be like, no, he's already dead. Or, or the, the, man that, the blind man that Jesus heals, and the first time he, it's kind of a funny story. <clears throat> he, he touches the blind man, and Jesus says, well, what do you see? And he goes, well, I kind of see silhouettes. I see men walking around like they're trees. Like right there in the presence of this man's disciples, you're going to tell him that he didn't heal you completely? But I think it was a point Jesus was trying to make. Right? Do you trust Jesus at his word? Because he told this man he was going to heal him. So this man's faith or his trust in what Jesus, like he had to be honest, not only with himself, but with the God who was going to heal him. We have to, it's predicated on words. But his words have the power to redeem or to buy back, to restore, to heal. And I think all of us need something in our lives. And God's already spoken, Jesus has already spoken it over us. So the question becomes, are you going to believe what he has already spoken? Are you going to live in victory? Here's number two. Since he is the greatest of all time, since he's the goat, we can trust that all authority is in his hands. We can trust that all authority is in his hands. That's why if we go back in Hebrews 1, 3, the first part of 3, he says, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. By the mighty power of his command. And if we skip over a couple of verses and go back to Hebrews 1, 8, he goes, but, the son, but to the sun he says, your throne, O God, endures forever. And ever, your rule with the scepter of justice. You, have, you, have, you, you love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O oh God, your God, your God has anointed you, pouring out oil of joy. You may <clears throat> on you more than anyone else. He has authority. He sits on the throne. He has authority over everything that binds us and crushes us. And he commands those things to go away. By the word of his mouth. Because they've, they've already lost power on you. Well, the reason they have power on you is because you're allowing them to have power. He's already broke those chains and you're putting them right back on. Like he has authority over all things in our life. 
And the last thing is this, is that we can trust in our full and secure salvation. We can trust in our full and secure salvation. Derek, I don't know about that. Well, let's go back to three when he says, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he what? Who sustains? I didn't hear you. He sustains it. It's not predicated on what we do or we don't do. He sustains it. He sustains. He sustains everything by his mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in a place of honor at the right hand of God, the majestic God in heaven. He is the one who sustains our salvation. He is the one that sustains our life. It's not based on what we have done or, or will do. In him, our salvation is secure. So we can approach the cross. We can approach God as believers with confidence. Because we know that nothing we have done can separate us from the hand of God. Because he's the one that sustains our salvation. Now, are we going to screw up? Every day. Say it often. I'm screwed up from the floor up. But the writer of Hebrews, and I believe Jesus, they want you to know what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, how great, how much of a goat he really is. You just have to look at Jesus because he is in fact, the imprint of God in this earth. Because he is God. He has authority. He sustains our salvation. He's spoken it over us. He's superior to all the supernatural beings or anything in this world. And the answer he's greater than the angels. Because in that culture, angels were a big deal. He's saying... You know, you don't get it. This guy who came and died on a cross to secure your salvation, he is so much greater. The thing that you're holding above God right now, it might be your kids, it might be your pet dog. I thought that would be funny, but nobody laughed. I would say cats, but they're from Satan. Just, 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 just kidding. Just kidding, y'all. Kind of. Whatever you, ha- whatever you're holding above, that's greater than God. Listen, you're missing out on the greatest of all time. He is so much better than your kids than your spouse and I got a hot one he's so much better than your job so much better than your new Ford truck who could so much better than my Toyota who could beat that Ford truck he's so much better than anything you can think of or imagine 
so much better. And for some of you, maybe this would be your first step to say, you know what? I've never experienced this goat, this greatest of all time. Because I've tried to find greatness in all these other things. And I'm here to tell you the greatest thing that you'll ever do in your life is just to surrender your life over to Jesus, over to this goat. And it's not going to be easy because he, even he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have, what? Overcome the world. And he said that before he ever died and went, went to the cross. That's why we can say uh, we can trust what he has spoken over us because everything he has said has come true. You can live in the victory this morning. You can do it. But you have to make the decision. Are you going to follow the goat or follow these other things that you're trying to put above God? Because he is superior. He is so much better. So much better. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here this morning, God. And I want to thank you for your greatness. That you are so great. You are above even the angels. Mountains tremble in your presence. You are wonderful. We can trust what you've spoken. And God, I just pray that as we sing this next song and as we as we proclaim how great you really are, God, and I, pr- I just pray, I just pray that that becomes a decoration of our lives, that you are the true goat in our life. You are the greatest of all time. We're going to push everything else aside. Like I said last week, we're going to give it all, put it all out, go all in, because you are the goat. You are the greatest of all time. Thank you for giving us a book of he- like the book of Hebrews where it says that you are greater. And as we look over the next few weeks to these chapters of Hebrews, God, may our eyes be opened to how great you truly are. And God, if there's anybody here this morning that would, that, that would like to get, give their life to Christ this morning, God, to you, God, I just pray that they approach your throne with boldness because you said, all those who come, I accept. So God, allow them to go all in, give their lives to you. And maybe there's somebody here that just needs to you know what, I haven't been living in a way to make God or Jesus the greatest of all time. And today I'm deciding that he will be my goat for all of eternity. And I pray all this in your name.